And you're live on Joy 99.7 FM. This is Ghana Connect with me, Ernest Meno. So it's been nearly two years since the Ghana Journalists Association attempted to organize a new elections to elect new leaders after the expiration of the term of the AFL money-led administration. The process has not been smooth. It's been fraught with many, many challenges, uh, accusations upon accusations. It's, it's been to court and back. Uh, today, finally, uh, the polls uh, was conducted and uh, we, from what we understand uh, voting the counting actually is underway over 800 journalists were expected to show up uh, at the various centers to cast their ballot and elect new leaders for the Ghana Journalist Association uh, very soon we'll take you there for um, the final results because they are being collated uh, but we have some provisional results that we'll share with you as the program goes on but that is not really the focus of our conversation tonight uh, we really want to have a conversation about the uh, status, the strength of the GJA and its positioning in our current dispensation. Many of us journalists admit that the GJA has not been strong enough uh, to fight the battles that are uh, presented to us that we confront um, you know, as journalists in this day and age. Going forward, will this election be the process of chartering a new path for journalism in Ghana? Is this going to be the process that will see the Ghana Journalists Association take its place once again as a very strong institution in the building of this nation? Or is just a mere election that will see uh, the, the status quo remain? Well, Ghanaians are connecting home and abroad to connect and, uh, of course, journalists to discuss our issues. So joining me uh, via Zoom for tonight's conversation is Elvis Dako. Elvis is the editor of the Finder newspaper. Hello, Elvis. Hello, Elvis. Elvis, you have to unmute. I can see you on the Zoom, but I think you have to unmute your device so we can hear you. Is it on mute? Yes, I can, device? No, mute. I, I can hear you now, Elvis. Thank you very much yeah. for joining us. Good evening. Good evening. Were you at the press center this, uh, this afternoon to, to vote? Unfortunately not. Why not? You are not in good standing. Exactly. Why is that? Well, we'll get into that, Elvis. Uh, we'll, we'll find out why you are not in good standing with the Ghana exactly. Journalist Association. Uh, let's also... I'll be glad to share. Very well. And uh, let's find out. Is Daniel on, on, on Zoom with us? Daniel? Well, Daniel is not yet on Zoom. Uh, my colleague, uh, Daniel Dazi, will join us uh, from the UK. But also joining us from the UK is Foz. Foz is a friend uh, to the show and Foz is a journalist. Uh, he's practiced here in Ghana, but has lived in the UK for a very long time and practices there. He joins us on the show. Hello, Foz. Hello, Ernest. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us. We also have Shamima Muslim, the convener of uh, Alma Alliance for Women in Media, also joining us on the phone. Hello, Shamima. It's always good Hello. to have you here on Ghana Connect. Hello. It's good to be on the show again. Good evening. Good evening. I, I am not sure you were uh, at the press center today. No, tonight. I wasn't. When Elvis spoke, I was just <laughs> laughing that you were going to ask me this. Definitely. I, I was, I was going to ask you. And it, it's because what you, you're not properly registered, you're not in good standing. Shamima, why no, even if I went, today was not a good day at all. I wouldn't have been able to go and vote, mm. which is also not a good excuse, especially if we're all to contribute to building a more robust association. Mm. Uh, well, thank you very much, Amima, for joining us. Uh, we'll be joined shortly by the Media Foundation for West Africa's Chief uh, Executive Director, uh, Suleiman Barima, uh, as we have this conversation. But let me start with you, um, 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 Elvis. Why are you not in good standing as far as the GJ is concerned? Well, I'm not in good standing because I think GJ is not applying the rules fairly to everybody in the association. And therefore, I decided that... I will not pay my dues. And that is the conditions for being in good standing. The reason is simple. The GDA constitution mandates every member to pay dues. It's only when you pay your dues that you are considered as a member in good standing. And GDA is a voluntary association. So you decide to join or not to join. But the constitution is clear that for you to be a member, you must pay your dues to remain a member. So I joined the GJA, and actually I pay my dues at a go. Every year I just go and pay all at a go. But developments popped up, and 
I realize that there's some unfairness happening in the system. You are an association that is voluntary. You say people must pay dues to be considered as members in good standing. And these people that you consider to be in good standing, even when you put out releases for DJ awards, you state categorically that if you are not a member in good standing, you do not qualify to apply for DJ awards. And then even when people who are not in good standing apply for awards, you ask them to come and pay up before their entries will be considered. But it turned out that we, the DJ will end up giving awards to people who are actually not members at all of the association. So I ask myself, if somebody who is not a member at all can be given an award, then I also sit back and do my work as a journalist. After when DJ finds it necessary that I deserve an award, they will give it to me. Elvis, can you give us an example to back but, this issue? You're, but the you're principle, raising. it's not awards per se, but the principle and the position of the constitution is what I think that the association is not applying fairly to everybody. And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons I think that the GJA needs a lot of work to be done. But, but if the GJA recognizes that there are people who are doing some good work, whose work must be acknowledged, uh, what, what is the problem with that? But why is that somebody who is a member, but is owing dues, will not be recognized because it's owing dues, considered not a member, is not in good standing? Mm. That, that is the, that's the bottom line. If DJ is not asking anybody to pay dues, and dues is not a condition for being a member in good standing, if they give an award to anybody, I have no problem with that. But when the constitution is clear, if you say that you are only a member of the association in good standing when you don't owe dues, and somebody who is even a member has paid dues but is only maybe six months or one year dues, is considered as not a member in good standing. I have paid my dues for DJ for five, six years, continuous non-stop. I couldn't go and vote today because my name will not be on the register as a member in good standing. Why? Because I am owing dues. So if you are applying the rules, let it apply. As I said, DJ is a voluntary organization. You choose to join. You choose not to join. So the rules must apply. If you say, if I join, these are the rules, I expect the rules to apply fairly to everybody. So that's why I said that I consider the DJ now as for every journalist in Ghana, whether you are a member or not. That is why I decided then I also don't need to pay dues to be considered as a member of DJ. Okay. However, if I had gone there today to vote, I will not be allowed to vote because my name will not be on the list of members in good standing because I'm owing dues. Mm. So I, I think was... that the constitutional provision needs to be applied fairly. If we have to remove that from the constitution and say, DJ should not be a membership organization. It should be for all journalists in Ghana. So you don't need to pay any dues. You don't need to write your name there to be a member. So it applies to everybody in Ghana. Like every journalist in Ghana today would have walked to, to any offices of the voting centers across Ghana to go and vote. But proud to the voting, they publish a list of members in good standing and say they are the only ones who qualify to vote. So I see disparities mm. in the way they apply the rules. And that is why the constitution itself should be one of the things that the current executive, the newly elected executives, will need to look at. If we want to make DJ for every journalist in Ghana, then we should remove the conditions for membership from it. Mm. Then we know that it is there serving the interest of everybody who is in the media space in Ghana. Then the membership condition should be removed. Well, I must say that even the list that you talk about uh, was one of the reasons why the elections delayed uh, for, for many, many months, running into almost two years. But Shamima, the payment of dues is consistent with many associations in the country. Uh, is, uh, what is wrong if the GJA makes that a necessary requirement for being in good standing? And, and let me mention that I'm doing this with my colleague, uh, Kwekwa Santi. Shamima. Right. Um, thank you very much. I honestly don't have a problem with paying dues to an association that I am a member of. I think that if we want to um, build, again, using the previous word, robust um, organizations, especially for a journalism association that wants to become ethical and independent in thought and in deeds, they've got to be self-sufficient in some ways in terms of how they raise money for their basic administrative, you know, operational expenditure. 
So to that extent, I don't have any problem with the association requesting for dues. As to whether or not um, non-payment of dues should um, debar you from contributing for electing leaders, I think that we have to have a bit of conversation about if the, if the constitution takes it as a requirement, then the leaders would not have done anything wrong to enforce that. If it's not in the constitution and they are arbitrarily applying that provision, then there's a cause to worry, like Elvis said. I don't know what the constitution states mm-hmm. with respect to that angle, but in principle, I don't have an, a problem with an association agreeing that members should contribute towards the running of the organization. Well, Sharima, fortunately, we're joined by the outgone, or should I say outgoing president of the GJ, Rolanda Filmoni. Uh, maybe you help us understand some of these things. Yes. Uh, Mr. Money, thank you very much for joining us here on Ghana Connect. Uh, we're calling first Later. of all to find out, um, I mean, you, you watched over the elections today. What will be your assessment of the process? Um, actually, per Article 4.3 of the GJ Constitution, it is the election committee which runs, as it runs the election. Um, so, um, I'm a, um, I only cast my vote and did it wisely. And uh, so, I think they are in a position to speak to anything uh, register or election related. Indeed, but of course you've been acting as as president even though your term has expired and you have had keen interest in making sure that this process happens so you could hand over, uh, you know, uh, successfully to whoever we elect today. Um, Tell me what you make of of what has happened today, at least from from your own observation. Um, It it is sad um, that um, litigations, suspicions, Atlantic allegations, slanderous accusations, and all the negatives you can think of are becoming a dominant theme of the election. The last election uh, was characterized by a theme. Um, group of people went to court. Indeed, my arch uh, competitor went to court uh, claiming that I wasn't fit to be president. So when it came for court, the judge said, ah, how do I decide who is fit to be your president? So the issue to be tackled outside his premises and went to ADR and uh, a debt was set and then um, accept the post. Um, fast track, and then we came to this, uh, uh, this the judge and the election. Again, when, when nominations had been opened and closed and the date was about to be announced for the election to be held, so we went to court again with allegations that um, somebody was trying to see the election. So our court, our judge, our lawyer, Captain Ladian uh, Yeni, um, God bless, bless him uh, in his family. Um, I give that. How do you prove corruption before it, if, it, if it is even committed? And in his words, this is the most useless case he has ever had handled in his career as a lawyer. Again, um, the government chair, he took the wisdom of government chair, to intervene, and it was set out of out of court. The date was set, and and thank God, um, it, it passed up peacefully. So it's a feeling of cathartic, that cathartic feeling that uh, at, the, no, at the end of it all, we come to the uh, end of the finishing line. And uh, um, whether we like it or not, we have a, new, a fresh open president in the name of Albert Kobayashi. For I, 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 I only put in one boat, and uh, the general, uh, general decided that uh, uh, he is the one who is uh, fit for service and worthy of honor as president of GJ. May have, have nothing except to say that uh, all the contestants should come together so that we pull one direction, redeem the time we have lost, and uh, uh, rediscover our position uh, uh, among the uh, committee of uh, uh, civil society organizations. Okay, so we are hearing for the first time that uh, Albert Jumfo has actually won the elections. Uh, and has this officially been declared? Yes, by the, that, it has, the result has been officially declared. Albert Jumfo has uh, won, 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 won the election. I think he won by um, one, 
73 was as against the, the figures. I don't have the fact exactly, but the fact mm-hmm. that he won, uh, um, he beat his uh, main content, uh, contender, we had met by more than 100 votes. Uh, followed by uh, the Dave, Dave mm. but, but Mr. Modi, the conversation we are having tonight on Ghana Connect is about how all of these issues have weakened the Ghana Journalist Association. From where you sit, from all the issues that came up uh, leading to these elections, much anticipated, however delayed, um, what would be your advice to the administration, even as they take over uh, from you, uh, in order to ensure that this doesn't recur? Um, I think um, one one characteristic of a good leader is to win the heart of the people and and, uh, um, and ensure, you know, encourage the heart of the people to work. In, you know, a lot of uh, um, as I said, and the best between suspicions, allegations, landlords, uh, allegations, uh, and all that have characterized the legend. People are heads, and 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 the are deep. So it 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 to take a very good leader to uh, switch the head and uh, and bring everybody on board. Uh, as the Malian proverb has it, no one figure can watch their face. No individual can 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 propel the DJ to the height in this Um It takes the collective effort um, of membership to ensure that uh, we not only redeem the time, but we we work assiduously to meet the lofty expectations of our people. Elvis uh, Darko, I'm sure you know him. He's an editor of uh, uh, the Finder newspaper. He's also on the show, connected with us on Zoom. Now, he raises issues with the Ghana Journalists Association, and, and his view actually represents the views of many uh, who say the GJA has not, be, has not been attractive in the last few years. Uh, the key issue he raises, for instance, is why the GJA will go ahead to award persons who are not members registered and in good standing, good standing as defined as a member who pays his dues, and yet, you know, denies others who consistently pay their dues. Um, that for him is a disincentive. And so today he could not vote because he's failed to pay his dues in the last year or two. And, and, and you know, that, that really is, 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 is not encouraging for him. He thinks that the GJA must look at that. What's, what's your view on that? Um, I, in all fairness, um, I think this question is rooted in mandate. Because the, uh, for I was to say that GJA is, is no more attractive is uh, consistent with the, the fight on the ground. Look at the number of people who are scrambling, who are who, who are making inquiries about this. And our, our numbers are climbing, climbing, not declining. So, historically, um, we are going and not uh, uh, not uh, not shrinking. So it's, it's not correct. Totally, it's totally incorrect for every to say that this day is not attractive. Um, um, so it's, it's from, I don't, don't need it to participate. That we are going in numbers, way. and in terms of profile, I, I doubt if there's any civil society which which, 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 which can feel or which can match in terms of in terms of discipline, in terms of profiling, in terms of championing certain courses uh, in the interest of, of, of the members internationally. Internationally, we, 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 we are the brackets of one of the best in, in the whole world. The, the IBJ is there for him to verify. And so for somebody to say GJ is unattractive, I, 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 I think Well, well just, just to clarify, the unattractive is my word, uh, and, and I'm yes. reporting what... Yes, Elvis didn't say that. I, I use that. Oh, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To, uh, that, that was my word. Elvis's issue was with the payment of dues. But, 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 uh, still on this issue of awards, for instance, because that generates a lot of controversy in the association. For instance, people have issues with the GJA awarding the ASA, you know, during a Ghana Journalist Association awards. If, for, um, for a lot of people, that right doesn't even come. Uh, for the record, for the record, the, my, my administration reversed the award given to Yata as the best uh, uh, program of the year. We reversed, we thought, it was because, reversed, uh, you say? It was reversed, yes. We reversed on the record that we reversed that decision. 
and because we did it in the, uh, 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 with the test of the integrity of that of that one, and so uh, that uh, we do not chip in it uh, in, 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 in any way. So that decision has been reversed. That decision by the World Committee has been reversed, and so and as the record stands, nobody won the program on the year. This and the answer does not did not until does not fit the bill. And just finally, before you go, uh, we have others on the line. We'll have the conversation about how we can make the GJA much stronger going forward. Um, with the benefit of hindsight, would you say that you have delivered on your mandate as journalist, as, as president of the GJA? It is Satisfactory. inconsistent with my personality and incongruous with our principles to grow my own horn. But in some rare circumstances, I ring my own bell. And, um, and I'll speak to the fact, and the fact is that of my administration unionized the GGA, and this unionization dream had been keeping for years, became a, a unionized. What we need to do now is to matriculate the unionized body into one with the bargaining power, which can negotiate better working conditions and salaries. It is my administration, which for the, for the first time in the history of Ghana, hosted the entire global media community. That is a fact. For the first time, we hosted the entire leadership of journalists in Africa. That is a fact. For the first time, we wrote out housing policy, housing program. Members who parted with 60,000, 80,000 is had their, their houses at some party, that is, that is a fact. Those who paid have their houses. That is a fact. For the first time in the history of this country, we, we are going to, GJ is more than 70 years. We signed an MOU to transform, redevelop the entire uh, uh, space and press center and demolish the present structure which we inherited at a, a, a colonial bungalow into a 50-story structure which will host uh, house media-related organizations as well as National Media Commission and uh, RTR Commission. And the one, 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 one unique feature of this uh, project is that it is 80% commercial. So apart from providing office accommodation, it's also served as a revenue spinner for the DJ, which is overly dependent okay. on, 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 on doing for their financial figures. Very well. So, so you're saying essentially that you think that you have satisfactorily delivered and the new administration should be able to take on from there? Certainly, yes. You know, leadership is continuous. So, it's when they that, they can We'll leave it here for now, Mr. Monin. I'm grateful that you could join us. Uh, at a much later date, we'll have a, a much detailed conversation about your tenor as president of the GJA. But one thing he mentioned, uh, Kweku, was that the GJA is very attractive, uh, one of the best in the sub region and even internationally. Let's speak to our, our, our friends joining us uh, outside the country. Uh, Daniel is on Zoom with us hello daniel uh, we seem to have lost him again but we have a uh... hi Ernest. what's up oh daniel you're here how are you doing yeah i'm not bad at all how are you doing i'm good i'll be coming to you shortly to, uh, to tell us how you know journalism in ghana is viewed from the uk where you are but force is also in the uk uh, force let me hear you on this force um is, is, is journalism in ghana uh, that respected and attractive you know from from the outside well, thank you very much, and um, a very good evening to your listeners. And I really appreciate the fact that you've asked a very straightforward question, but I have to give you a winded answer. Um, we have to look at it from uh, a, a different points of view, from different points of view, because at the end of the day, people in Ghana or people view Ghana journalism um, as journalists and they've just put everybody in the same brackets well the gja should have done loads of work and have some of the questions that i would have loved to ask alfred mr money when he was on earlier on was to actually find out he said he's been attractive so what has he done to actually galvanize people some of the things he said is it's just basically easy for people to come and talk some of the things they think they've done 
but is it really reflective on the ground? I don't know about that because I've had my own bus in the past anyway. However, in the union journalist, in by other media, respectable media houses here and used as the basics, most of them are seen as, as a wishy-washy. And what do I mean by that? We cannot clearly differentiate between bloggers, journalists, media house personnel, and people just giving their opinions. The GJA has come a long way. For example, in the UK, they've had a union where everybody who calls himself a journalist subscribes to. So the level of integrity, the level of respect has been generated and is being followed. And if you do something that is against the union, you're struck down. It's not about just taking money from people, but you have to re-educate them. When was the last time the GJA in Ghana did something well along the lines of training general? Because we have to look at all these things. And so some of the reporting in Ghana is frowned upon because sometimes even, even in the, I'll give you a very typical example, something we call a child protection act that protects every child, even if they're involved in an innocent um, uh, 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 pro- problem or innocent situation or scenario. But come, there comes a time that you see real journalists who have been to school and done all the courses showing the faces and actually marking that face of the child. Are you real journalists? Have we gone have we gone as far as training those journalists how to even report those things? So it is frowned upon and some work they do is loved. However, I think the new administration coming in need to really sit down and find the best way to address training galvanizing and directing the affairs of the true journalists or the people doing the good jobs in Ghana. Mm. First, thank you. Uh, but let me stay in the UK and speak to Daniel. Daniel, I, I mean, you know the terrain very well. Uh, we practiced here before you you, you left us uh, in Ghana. Um, from from you know, watching from from where you are now, what do you think we need to do if we are to make the GJA very strong going forward uh, and chart a new course for the GJA and make it a stronger institution? I think that, first of all, we must ask ourselves, and hi, Ernest, hi, everyone. Um, it's been a while since I spoke to you, Elvis, and um, Foss as well. Great to meet you guys again. Um, and to your question, Ernest, I think that we must ask ourselves what kind of journalists we are producing, what kind of journalism that we want to see. There are existential questions about journalism in Ghana that the GJA is only a part of. That's... If we want to get the right results, we must demand for them to be a part of that solution. I think the bigger question in Ghana is the question of media freedom. And um, I was happy to hear, for instance, that monies are being made available to journalists to, to get houses and what have you. It's not a bad idea because we know that if we want to... Look, Ernest, you and I know the biggest problems with journalism in Ghana. And I'll be very blunt. Journalists don't earn enough to be independent from politicians and businessmen. And as a result, it looks like the GJA has not been able to to build that level of independence. I was just reading how the GJA at a point has had to go and seek sponsorship from government to go and do their own programs. We know that in 2017, the GJA put out a statement immediately after Manasseh did an investigation asking that Ghanaian journalists should be circumspect when they are reporting on businessmen so that they don't seem to be putting businessmen on a media trial and they don't see, they are not seen to be witch-hunting people. At the heart of it, Ernest, let's be honest, people don't have money. If people don't have money, People will do what the people who have money wants them to do. That's the biggest problem facing journalism. But, but Daniel, it, uh, really, the it, question I'm is: listening. the question is, how much? I, I get the issue of remuneration. I mean, there is no debate about how poor it is in the country. People literally work for free in this country as journalists, um, and so it must get better. But. The, I guess the problem is when we tie remuneration to independence, because the question then becomes how much is enough to get a journalist to be independent? 
Ernest, that's a very simple question to answer. It, it's only difficult in a system that we do we, we never come to see enough. You see, the bedrock of these economic issues is there are national structural economic issues that people have to deal with. When they pay you, how much is what is the currency going to be worth in a few months versus inflation and all of that? But I'm I was just creating a bedrock for us to have the conversation from the issues about quality journalism and protecting quality journalism. I want to know if the GJA is is so is so passionate about ethical journalism, how much work of quality journalists has the GJA tried to sponsor? If the EGJA is so passionate about ethical journalism, how much, what role does the GJA play on the National Media Commission? When the Media Commission is taking decisions, do we see the GJA behaving as a union or we see the GJA behaving as a member, which takes, excuse my language, which also goes to take their per diem? We are living in a country where governments can take a, a journalist to the Media Commission journalists would go and question the media commission the gja will be silent if 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 um, um someone is dragged to court if a journalist is slapped what is their union doing for them i mean there are unions in ghana that's do the work if you are talking about a union you don't need to travel there are unions in ghana that are doing the work if if something happens with the tuc you can immediately see heads rolling when the drivers don't have enough when when taxi drivers don't have enough um uh, transport they immediately close down the uh, transportation system in ghana nobody takes taxis nobody goes to work we are talking about the gja supporting its members standing up for its members when journalists were being killed we're, we're, when journalists were being attacked pardon me what was the gja doing when they were when they were um um when the, our media, our, our world press freedom ranking was going down as a result of attacks on media freedom, what were you doing? When, when multimedia, also, when we started the Defend Media Freedom campaign, where was the GJA to be found? Those are some of the questions that the GJA must be seen to be answering. In the, in also, what work is the GJA doing about the future of journalism? The world is going digital. Legislate, regulation of, of the media space is changing each and every day and you go into policy you go into policy rooms and you realize that our laws our systems do not fit our current mode or, or where the where the world is going when storytelling is concerned where is the gja in leading these conversations at the heart of it it's sad that we don't we don't know that we may not know the questions to ask in order to achieve quality journalism. So we may not know the questions to ask of the GJA, but the basic that you ask for every union is that when I am at work, I should feel protected from my employers. And you've got my back. Basic. That's the basic any worker should have. Right, right. But if you do a story today, your union must protect you if your employers won't. Right, Daniel. Sorry, Daniel, I don't see it. Yeah, Kweku wants to come Daniel, in. Here, so Daniel, so you, you make some very interesting points over there. Daniel, this is Kweku Asante. You are looking very great from UK. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> so <laughs> let, me, let me go to, I mean, um, Elvis. And you know, um, uh, Daniel has laid it out all that is wrong with the GGA. I mean, how does the GGA reinvent itself? get a kind of support from journalists because today was like election day for journalists most people probably didn't know about it or were just not concerned how can journalists get into the fold of gj and wrong and write some of the wrongs that daniel has just talked about elvis number one gj should take a critical look at application for membership how swift the gj responds to people's application today if you talk to many people who are, are willing to join the GJ, many will tell you that they filed application to GJ for one year, two years, six months, three years, and they never had any feedback from GJ. Some even go there to follow up, and they don't get any feedback, whether GJ has scrutinized the application, whether they, are, they met the criteria to be accepted as members or not, you will not get it. So the new administration that is coming up, Number one is to look at that aspect and give themselves that if somebody should apply for GDA membership, maximum two months, we should give the person a feedback. 
and say based on the constitution ABC, we think that you qualify to be a member or you not qualify or you need to do this to meet the criteria to be accepted as a member that is number one that the, the DJ must do number two the DJ will have to make sure that those who have won should sit up call those who have lost and say all of you propagated very good ideas let's sit together let's put all these ideas together let's select the ones that we believe that are the most pressing for solution to the problem of journalists in this country let's put it to, together even if it is possible call for application for uh, proposals and then come up with a policy document that will make the gj the, the, the kind of institution all of us desire to say then they should go ahead and make sure that they implement the content of those uh, the recommendations in that policy three there has to be a very very close collaboration between the ghana journalist association the private newspaper publishers association and the ghana independent broadcasters association i say this because the journalist is working for a giba member and belongs to a gja as daniel has said the journalist should feel protected from this or her employer that if i'm doing my work and my employer is putting certain impediments on my way, I should be able to report to my union and my union should be there for me. The GDA should then move on to the critical issue I've always mentioned this time is about capacity of the journalist. I say that you can only give what you have. We have a system in Ghana where because we are hiding behind press freedom and freedom of speech, we are opening up the media space that just anybody at all and have access to the media. I'm not talking about necessarily because of educational qualification, but what I'm saying is that the media is such a powerful tool that if we allow people to have access, this must be people that we know that have the capacity, understand what professional journalism is about, and will apply it. Currently, if you look at the media space, we see a lot of unprofessional things happening in the space. And I believe that if the GDA takes a serious view of the unprofessionalism in the industry, they have to look at the capacity of who and who should have the power to practice. And this they will do in collaboration with Giba because it's the employer that is going to employ the person. If there's an understanding that if you just employ just anybody, the potential for damage would cost you a lot. And therefore, let's collaborate and say that we have set up this standard. If you have to take on anybody as a giver member, owner of a media house, let the person meet this criteria before you take the person on. So that we can sanitize the mm. unprofessional practice and then we can have people who they have access to the media, whatever they put out there. It's a professional journalist. But Elvis, Elvis the, the House of Freelancers. So the, the question that I want to ask about membership <laughs> and professionalism is, do you think that GJA should be heading towards uh, a licensing regime where journalists are I'm licensed? I was going to say something. As I said, we may not necessarily go for a licensing regime, okay? But if the GJA develop a set of criteria, they, they have a thorough discussion with Giba, who are the owners of the media houses and employees, the journalists, and say that for the sake of professional and quality journalism, if you want to employ anybody as a journalist, the media is a powerful tool. The person must meet this criteria for you before you give the access to the media. That is mm -hmm. the only way we can ensure professional journalism. But see, there will be a little misunderstanding between the, uh, the GJA and the Giba in the sense that the moment you set those criteria and looking for high-quality professionals, it means that the employer will not have to pay the journalists very well. And therefore, the GIBA members are likely to fight DJ over this issue. But I believe that if we all have the profession at heart, and we make the owners know that for your media house to even try, it will depend on quality journalism. So what we are doing, we are either helping you, the owner, to have a professional media house. So now don't pick anybody because, see, mm. the power of the media that we have, when we allow it, and we see it in this country, yesterday, there was a report in the media and in, in notable media houses that there was an Ebola outbreak in Ghana. 
But the truth was that it was just a simulation exercise. Hmm. A simulation exercise was reported by a professional journalist in notable media houses that Ghana has recorded an Ebola case. You can imagine somebody has gone to report that, excuse me to say, alleged that some terrorists have attacked people on our borders and the security decide to respond. So we shouldn't take the power that the media has for granted. We should make sure that it's time to sanitize the industry. Okay. Anybody that has interest to practice, let's help the person build the capacity, meet the certain standard, then the person will be allowed to practice. All right, all that right, Elvis. That is very and important. We should also look Elvis. at the condition of service right. of the journalist. Okay, Elvis, this, this condition that. of service argument is very important. I mean, it goes yes. to the core of journalists and whether or not they're able to do their work professionally. Good time to bring in Shamima Muslim. And Shamima, for the first time, we've heard from the outgoing or outgoing DGA president that um, Mr. Jumfo has now been elected as the new president of the association. You, you know Mr. Jumfo, you follow the campaign. Are you surprised about this outcome and what are your expectations? Well, I wouldn't say if I'm surprised or I'm not surprised, but um, it is what it is. And he must know that the Vesicilians are ahead of him. Because no matter how much we want to believe that the DCA is strong, we know that there are many more people who do not feel that the DCA is where it should be. Because uh, really, Ghana, where we are, and the gains we have made in terms of media development locally, we should have had many more journalists, you know, wanting to be and loving the DJA and being represented by, you know, the association. So there's a lot of work that the next crop of leaders need to do. And they must come into the with some level of humility and willingness. Willingness to listen, willingness to engage, willingness to mobilize. And through the power of innovation, advocacy, and inclusivity, design a new image for the GJA. So, so uh, yes, Shamima, you, you know Mr. Jumfo. Do you think he's the new man to lead the association to its new destination? I don't know his leadership capacity. I've not worked with him. I've just witnessed him from afar. But I hope that he is ready to take the mantle. Because like everybody is saying, right now, a lot of journalists need their welfare to be taken care of. And an association that needs to be vibrant, needs to be responsive to its members this way. So we have to look at the issue of welfare, system pay, shelter, and mobility. This is the major headache for the average journalist. Decent pay, shelter, and mobility. So the, the, the initiatives that the Atom Monitor started, we need to go back again and look at it. The process of unionizing that is almost not yet complete, we need to complete it so that Journalists like Pioneers, look, Nagrat has a plaza where members can, you know, uh, contribute and earn something and build a certain life. They, they have access to mortgages. So we must look at innovating beyond what we are currently used. And the fact is that we don't even need to um, go back and reinvent the wheel. Because today, for me, the DCA should be at the forefront of media development. And they have the benefit of all of these global reports and global studies to be able to replicate some of these local, um, you know, locally in terms of their research. Because if Alfred money, and I know he's been very supportive of my Alma dream, so I, I know that he has a good side. But of course, any leader has challenges and he had a share of those challenges. But his chapter is closing. This new chapter must look at how they position DJA as a research-driven institution. So if you say that there's this number of um, new journalists joining the association, how many journalists are operating in Ghana do we know? Do we even have a head count? Mm. You know, but for the benefit of some of these media development agencies, 
we wouldn't have had an understanding of our journalism landscape. So GJA, in redefining itself, must look at things like press freedom reports. They must be at the forefront of generating these annual reports. Okay. They must be at the forefront of advocating for laws that seek to restrict press freedom. They must be proactive in looking at supporting and working with media owners and media organizations to relook really at the model because one issue with the pay is because of where global uh, media flows are moving towards. And you will be surprised to hear that between 2016 and 2021, worldwide media users moved from traditional media into online. So we have 2.3 billion people moving and to online uh, from 20 who were on online in 2016 and 4.2 billion in 2021. So naturally, traditional media models need to also respond. Very well. Because advertising revenue is moving and a robust responsive association must be working with media organizations to figure out how to make media organizations financially sustainable mm. in order that they can also pay journalists well. So that we can uphold the independence that we talk about. Shamima, thank you. Uh, but we also joined by uh, Mohammed. Mohammed uh, uh, has rejoined. We lost the connection to him. He's rejoined us uh, via Zoom. Mohammed, if you can just unmute for me so we can have your comment about the uh, Ghana Journalists Association. Mohammed is joining us from Nigeria. Uh, Mohammed, how, how do you see the association from, from where you are? Uh, I, thanks for having me. But. Uh it's I've worked with uh, quite uh, a lot of Ghanaian journalists, uh, notable from the radio and even print. Uh, uh, I don't think I have a whole lot to say about uh, the association in Ghana. Rather, probably, if you ask me what is obtainable here in Nigeria, and from the discussions which I've been following so far, I feel uh, we have a similar uh, problem. Uh, if you allow me to speak further, I will say our biggest problem in Nigeria is the fact that, uh, if I'm not mincing words, in fact, more than 80% of uh, personalities that um, uh, that operate in the industry do not belong to the union. That's a very that's very shocking, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, people people call themselves journalists. They either write for big uh, national days, yeah, or even in the broadcast industry, but they do not belong to the union. And you want to ask me why? Uh, for a union that was established in 1955, even even before Nigeria's independence, the Nigerian Union of Journalists was established, yeah, in 1955, before Nigeria's six, five years before Nigeria's independence. But uh, it's, it's been uh, shocking that uh, the union has not really got its house in order, uh, making so many journalists not really, you know, want to be part of the union. And, and uh, is that the only is that the only body you have for journalists? And and I'll come round uh, first, uh, Daniel and Elvis, uh, on this question. Uh, there's been the controversial suggestion of creating a rival body uh, for the GJA. Uh, is that no? That, that's, do you have a rival body for your, your, your association in Nigeria? No, there is no rival body. There are affiliate uh, bodies, actually. Mm. Like we have uh, um, a Sport Writers Association of Nigeria, which are actually affiliate bodies of the, of the NUJ. Uh, we have NAWAJ, National Association of Women Journalists. Okay. These are uh, actually uh, affiliate bodies. The, the NUJ... Uh, is is like it is 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 an offshoot of the kind of economy that we run. I would say, you understand, because everything depends largely on government, and you know, you you if 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 your government, uh, not even government, if businesses are sponsoring journalists, you 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 lose your independence to checkmate the wrongdoings either in, on the side of government and on the part of uh, businesses. Mm. And it's, it's so appalling. Sometimes you open up our newspapers, you listen to news, 
and you see you can tell even without going to journalism school that these are paid for news you understand press releases where is the where where where, where is the place for investigative journalism despite all the rot that we have in our country and i would say the issues are quite similar and mohammed thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us let me go around uh, even as we wrap up on the conversation Kweku, first of all run us to the provisional figures that has mm. come to and then we'll take the final thoughts of uh, our guests uh, as they would also consider the issue of a rival body so and as if you look at the results from the press center david benu had 30 mr gihad mensa 40 mr albert june 4 had 72. If you go to the Western region, Mr. Agbenu had one. Mr. Gihad Mensah had 13. Mr. Albert Junfo had four. Ghanaian Times, 31 for Mr. Dev Agbenu, um, um, 13 for Mr. Gihad Mensah, and then four for Albert Junfo. If you go to the voter region, four for Agbenu, 15 for Mr. Mensah, Gihad, and then 23 for June 4. If you look at the total of the results that we've had so far from Vota, Northern, Ashanti region, Central, Upper West, Upper East, Graphic, Tema, GNA, Press Center, Western region, Ghanaian Times, Bono region, Eastern region, and the GBC, once up to about Mr. David Benu having 142 votes, Mr. Gihad Mensah 181 votes, and then Mr. Albert K. June 4. 233 votes giving him such a comfortable lead and it's no surprise that um the former president Alfil money mm. is confirming that he might have been he might have been declared victor and, and there's, there's one thing you see i mean throughout the centers and, and if, you, if you look at the constituencies the numbers from state media for instance uh quite low relatively right. because they have very huge numbers, numbers in terms of the employment uh, figures but very few people are part of the association and yeah. even on that list not everybody showed up today to vote, to vote. that tells a story uh, elvis let me come to you for your uh, final comments on on our conversation today Sure. I, I've always made this point that we all talk about journalism, public interest journalism, but we don't discuss who should pay for it in this country. And, and this is a conversation that must be had in this country because we all want quality standard journalism. But if the condition of service of the journalist is so poor, how do you expect that journalist to do the kind of work that we expect from them? That is why the issue of condition of service is so critical. We need to be able to talk about this issue. We need to tackle the issue of, uh, you see, one thing that is happening that we are not paying attention is that because just anybody at all is being allowed access to the media, what is happening is that even though we are all seeing the unprofessionalism on the rise, we don't want to talk about it because employers feel that they don't need to pay such people any huge amount for them to accept to work for them. And therefore, employers are actually going in for just anything that they see because they want to pay people just anything. And in the, the result is that you're going to get a lot of unprofessional work in the system. That is why the issue of capacity of who qualifies is important. to practice as a journalist must be a critical issue that must be addressed. The moment we go in for quality, you realize that the professionalism will rise. I, must, I, I can tell you that anybody who is a professional will not be one what will be associated with a, a poorly done job because your reputation your image is at stake very well but when you just speak just anybody mm. and because the person will accept anything you offer you give the person access to the media then the level of unprofessionalism will keep rising and that is why it's important that the gda that is coming that the, the uh, primpark and G, uh, giba should look at the fact that those that will accept the recommendations to get in quality people are the only ones that can boast of quality journalism. And they are the ones that people will trust. So it's important for us to address these issues so that the standard we all yearn for, that Ghana journalism can be compared to what happens anywhere else, can happen in this country. Elvis, we run out of time issue. on this. We run out of time on this, but I'm grateful that you could join us. Uh, Daniel, just uh, 30 seconds, please. Hello, Daniel. Well, we seem to have lost connection to Daniel, to Force, and all the others. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for connecting with us here on Ghana Connect. My name is Ernest Mino, starting for Evans Mensa. Up next is the locker room here on Joy 99.7 FM.
Voy Radio live online. This is the locker room on Joe 99.7 FM. Hello and welcome. This episode is all about Mike Dean, where Mark Chapman sits down to chat to the now former Premier League referee to go through his extraordinary career. He tells Chappers how he started in the lower leagues and rose to the very top and lets us in on a few secrets along the way, like who were his favourite players, to the manager he feared the most. Enjoy. In everything that I was reading and listening about you before I did this interview, it struck me that in, in a lot of the interviews that you did, or podcast, you say that on the way home from games, you listen to a lot of radio or you watch a lot of telly when you get home. Yeah. So do I need to say sorry before we... No, because I was away last week in Spain and I heard you did the... <laughs> The podcast on the Monday night, it was okay, so you, you were good to me then. But I thought that was really interesting that yeah. you, you listen and watch stuff after you've refereed. I think that when I drive home from games, I think that we kind of text each other refs and see what's gone on and what to think of this penalty, what to think of that. Then you'll hear the radios on Talk Sport and, and Five Live and they'll say, oh, there's clearly missed a penalty kick, it's a clear stick on red card, you watch a match and think it's not even anywhere near, but it just makes conversation and people listen in and people phone in and have a go at the refs, have a go at the officials, the players and everything, but it's just a way of trying to learn. When you do get home and you watch the game on match today or on Sky, you kind of watch the games, well maybe I could have done something different, yes that was a pen, why haven't I got the penalty decision right and then try and get it right for the week after. So you can take it? Oh I can take it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind the criticism they're going to say stick I don't mind the criticism part and part of the game now people are going to criticise me whether they do good whether they do bad but that's part of my learning process as well have you always been able to take um, the criticism early, early doors no because I was just starting and coming along I used to drive home sometimes get a bit depressed and read newspapers and think oh crack I've only got a five in the sun nightmare <laughs> I've, had a, I've had an awful game but I haven't it's just the way it marks but you think yourself when I used to work for a living on the serious note, I used to go into a, when I used to work at the chicken factory, yeah. say, oh, you only got a four this weekend, you know, <laughs> a nightmare. had a great game. People just think because they read what's in the press, that, that's what it comes across. But I can, I can take the criticism, I do learn a hell of a lot from, from watching stuff as well. But, but in those early days when you were getting it, I know you can laugh a little bit yeah. about it, what, what were your coping mechanisms then? Because, you know, we often hear that we probably do lose a lot of referees early on in their yeah. careers because of media and fans and abuse and criticism? The group we had at the time we first got on, we were the, the first professional group that was on in, in 2000, it was 20, 23 or 24 of us I think. We had a really good group, I used to feed off other people, I wasn't friendly with Graham Paul at the time, I used to be good friends with Chris Foy and people like that and I used to speak to Chris on a regular basis, we used to talk to each other on the way home in a car and try and just like work out what you're going to do next and we did have p good people in place when we first started off, Philip Don then run the, run the show so to speak and and because I was new, I think I knew I was struggling, I kind of spoke to him quite more on a regular basis and um, uh, kind of turned the corner. Have you taken that role on as you have become more senior for the newer ones coming yeah, through? Yeah, the new guys have only been on for a year. We had like five or six guys the last couple of years. I speak to them now and again, not on the phone as much because I think they're trying to get used to who, who they can trust, who they can speak to. If you know what I mean, they've got their own band of friends that they've that they're looking after and there's people obviously within the refereeing organisation that we have that are mentoring them. I'm not mentoring one of those guys so they're probably feeding off their mentors more than feeding off me. But that mentoring has to be important, doesn't oh, I think it? It's, it's massively important. We never really had it when I was when I first got on. But I think now it goes from like the Premier League all the way down to National League and even lower than that there's there's mentors. We kind of try and mentor referees in the lower leagues as well. We've got guys in the Premier League also mentoring guys in in the level five and level six are trying to get guys coming through into the into the conference and, and obviously better than that. So as you sit here after 22 years mm. on the top list, yeah. how do you reflect back? I think I reflect back that to be in the, the position I've been in for the last 22 years, I must have done something right, even though a lot of supporters would have thought I've done quite a lot of things <laughs> wrong. Um, I'm quite proud of my achievement, to be honest with you. I get quite emotional sometimes that people kind of have a go at you because you've made a mistake, but it's part and parcel. Striker misses an open goal, he doesn't get as much stick as what I would do by maybe missing a penalty goal, you know, so... Uh, but I think I'm so proud of what I've done over 20, 22 years and 550-odd games and the probably, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 mistakes, massive mistakes, which is not a lot if you think we make over 200 decisions a game, so I'm quite proud of my achievement. That's, um, that's 22 years at the top. I mean, your refereeing career started 
a yeah. long time before that. Yeah, and and we, we often yeah. hear about elite athletes and their battle to get to the top yeah. and their sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Take me through how you started and then how you progressed, because there are sacrifices here. Yeah, I basically started in 85 when I, I finished school, put on loads of weight and didn't have a job for six months, so I thought, what can I do to keep fit? I like football. I was a goalkeeper, so obviously I wasn't the most mobile of people when I was younger. I was 18, 19 stone when I left school, I was huge. I was, yeah, I was a big lad, yeah. So I kind of saw myself out with me fitness-wise, started doing a bit of refereeing, went from there, done other local leagues, and I was lucky enough to get on the Football League, in, football league line in 95. Two years in 95, and then Football League middle in 97. Three years there, and then the Premier League, so... It was a long road, I mean, it's a lot shorter now. I think if you start the same age as what I did, 17, you can progress a lot quicker because the, the opportunity there was before it probably wasn't as many opportunities, but it's, it's, it was a tough road back then, but it's one I was uh, happy to get on with. That 95 period, you're also working in the chicken factory yeah, as well. I yeah. mean, so your, your days well, were, up, were ridiculous. I was up at half four, in for five. At five half five, used to work probably between six and, and two o'clock, finish my shift at two. Get in the car, drive maybe to, I don't know, even Football League, still on the line Football League, drive to Carlisle, run the line to yeah. Carlisle, get on for three in the morning and go straight back in at five. So uh, it, was, it was tough. But Why? Because I love the job. So and I, would, I would never change, even in the early, early years when I had to work and then football wasn't full-time because it wasn't a full-time profession then, I had to do it because I just love the job, I just love football from like ever. When you started out then as, as using refereeing to get fit, how tough was refereeing at amateur level because one of the things we get you know often gets thrown if we criticize a professional ref it feeds down to to amateur football and pub football and and kids football how tough did you find amateur 